Chapter 52 of Science in Short Chapters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Jackson. Science in Short Chapters by W. Matthew Williams. Murchison and Babbage. The curious contrast of character presented by these two eminent men and the very different course of their lives conveys a striking lesson to all those superficial thinkers and unthinking talkers who make sweeping generalizations concerning human character who assume as a matter of course that any man who writes poetry must be merely a dreamer of daydreams incapable of transacting any practical daily business and not at all reliable in money matters whose eyes are always in a fine frenzy rolling, that he is, in short, a sort of amiable, harmless lunatic. All actors, according to such people, are dissipated spendthrifts, and if Sims Reeves or any other public performer is prevented by delicate larynx or other indisposition from appearing, they look knowing, shrug their shoulders, wink wisely, and assume, without the faintest shadow of evidence, that he is drunk." In like manner, they set up a typical philosopher of their own manufacture and attribute his imaginary character to all who devote themselves to science. Their philosopher is a musty, dried-up, absent-minded pedant whose ordinary conversation is conducted in words of seven syllables, who is always lost in profound abstractions, takes no interest in common things, regards music, dancing, play-acting, poetry, and every cheerful pursuit as frivolous and contemptible, a creature who never makes a joke, seldom laughs, and who in matters of business is even more incapable than the poet. The singular contrast of character presented by Babbage and Murchison affords at once a most complete refutation of such generalizations. Here were two men, both philosophers, one the very type of amiability, suavity, and all conceivable polish, the very perfection of a courtier, but differing from the vulgar courtier of the court in this respect, that his high-toned courtesy was not bestowed upon kings only, but also upon all his human brethren, and with a special gracefulness upon those who rank was below his own. I doubt whether there is any man now living who has lived during this generation that could equal Sir Roderick Murchison in the art of distributing showers of compliments upon a large number of different people in succession, and making each recipient delightfully satisfied with himself. In his position as chairman to the geological section of the British Association, he did this with marvelous tact, without the least fulsomeness or repetition, or any display of patronizing. Every man who read a paper before that section was better than ever satisfied with the great merits and vast importance of his communication, after hearing the chairman's comments upon it. None but a most detestably strong-minded and logical brute could resist the insinuating flattery of Sir Roderick. How different was poor Babbage! Who that attends any sort of scientific gatherings has not seen Sir Roderick? But who in the world, excepting the organ-grinders and the police magistrate, has ever seen Babbage, or even his portrait? What a contrast between the seclusion and the public existence, between the hedgehog bristles and the velvet softness of the one and the other! Those who are on intimate terms with Babbage, I have never met or heard of such a person, could probably tell us that all his irritability and roughness were outside, and that, in the absence of organ-grinders, he was a kind and amiable gentleman. 
But even admitting this, the contrast between the two philosophers is as great as could well be found between any two men following the most widely divergent studies or professions. Those who would reply that mathematics and geology are such different studies have only to go a little further back on the death roll, and they will find the name of de Morgan, a pure mathematician like Babbage. He was a man of exuberant fun and humor, and so far from hating music of either a humble or pretentious character, was a highly accomplished musician, both theoretical and practical, and if we are to believe confidential communications, one of his favorite instruments was the penny whistle, on which he was a most original and peculiar performer. I had not intended to reprint the above, which was written just after the death of Murchison and Babbage, but the comments that have recently followed the death of Darwin induce me to do so. Many have expressed their surprise at the unanimous expression of Darwin's friends concerning the geniality of his disposition, his gentleness, cheerfulness, his genuine humility, and simplicity of character. A third type of character is here presented, and that which corresponds most correctly with the true ideal of a modern philosopher, also represented by that great master of experimental science, Faraday. In both of these, there was the full measure of Murchison's amiability, but without the courtly polish of the ex-soldier. Philosophic meditation and close application to original research may, and often does, induce a certain degree of shyness due to a consciousness of the social disqualification which arises from that inability to fulfill all the demands for the small attentions which constitute conventional politeness, a disability due to the habits of consecutive thought and mental abstraction. A sensitive and amiable man would suffer much pain on finding that he had neglected to supply the small wants of the lady sitting next to him at a dinner party, and would withdraw himself from the risk of repeating such unwitting rudeness. This holding back from ordinary society, though really due to a conscientious sense of social duty and tender regard for the feelings of others, is too often referred to as a churlish unsociality or arrogant assumption of superiority. If Newton really did mistake the lady's finger for a tobacco stopper, depend upon it the pain he suffered was far more acute than which he inflicted, and was suffered over and over again whenever the incident was recollected. End of chapter 52 Murchison and Babbage